This is The Friendship File, where we flip open the blueprints behind some of the world's most important relationships, the ones we have with our friends. Two friends have each been sent the same set of questions. They've recorded their responses on their own and without consulting. Here is the combination of their answers. This time, Jeremy and Dej. This is Jeremy. My name is Dej. I live I in, live in London. London. I'm 55. 56. I've known, known Dej Jeremy for over 40 years. Since 1979. Describe the very first moment you remember seeing them. Dej stood out when... I first joined a class with him in... My recollection is that I was most conscious of him in English class. This was the 70s. This was Surrey. Everyone, really, that I'd ever known was white, and Dej was from Gambia. Um, that was the class of Neil, known to us as Laddie Lang, who somehow took a special interest in both of us but individually i always felt he was somebody that i was just always constantly reminding me of what i would never be able to be he was the god he was smart he was the brilliant sports person the athlete the everything but the thing that i remember so clearly about dej is that he was so grown up when did that click happen the moment you thought yeah I like you. And we, we both have uh, Laddie Lang in common as one of our favourite uh, and most sort of inspirational teachers of all time. We lost touch for a long time. And we left school. We probably had enough of each other or whatever, I suppose, or he'd had enough of me. And we went to university, he went to Cambridge. He, he then went into the corporate world and everything. But I think I actually picked up on the need to reconnect with Jeremy, if I can put it that way, when I saw him on Newsnight. And it was in the 90s, so we're then talking, I was about coming up on 30, and we'd last seen each other at the age of about 18. And I was on a tube escalator, and I looked back and I saw this gentleman. And uh, there was a very rare split screen and on the other side of the screen was a gentleman called Stephen Sacker, who now presents a show called Hard Talk. And I happened to be at university with Stephen. He lived upstairs from me. And I, I didn't say, oh, my God, Dej, how many years has it been? I just looked quizzically at and him. And I just thought it was too uncanny to be watching my friend from school and Stephen from university. And that prompted me to write to Jeremy. And he just said, I'll never forget this. He just said, I've got it. I've got it, Jeremy. He then wrote back in manuscript. I said, Dej, I can't believe this. And literally from that day... And we've been reconnected ever since. That would have been... 20 plus years ago now, I imagine. I'm always grateful that I got on that escalator that day. What is your thing? The thing you do when you get together? When we get together, which is quite often, we just chat. We chat a lot about politics, actually, and a lot about music. We tend to meet, typically, for something like a music performance. Dej is, is very much into the culture, so he knows what's going on. And I think that 
having a copy of Terence Trent Darby's first album is cool. Occasionally, I have the privilege of accompanying Jeremy to Stamford Bridge to watch his beloved Chelsea FC play. So I'm always slightly leaning on Dej for cultural references. Who's better at keeping the communication going? I think we're both pretty good at communicating. One of the things that happens when you've got kids is that you just become an awful friend. I tend to allow Jeremy to lead the scheduling because he's a busy guy. And you become a particularly bad friend to friends who don't have children. So Dej has a steady girlfriend, but he doesn't have kids. And, and I've never asked him why or, you know, why would I? Because blokes never ask any interesting questions of each other ever. There's two national shows a day. Um, so my instinct is to give him a little bit of space and allow him to schedule our get-togethers when he has some time. I'm not always able to hang out. I'm hoping that at some point I resurface from parenthood and then we can, can have all the conversations that we've been missing. What is their best quality? Jeremy has many qualities. He's bright, he's funny, he's widely loved throughout the UK. I think the most remarkable quality about Dej is his humility. But I would probably highlight, really hesitate here to, to sound cheesy, but I'm keen to say this, I would highlight his kindness and warm-heartedness. This came out in a conversation recently and I thought... I can't believe you're saying this. He said something like, I don't know what I've, quite what I've done with my life, or something. It was some moment of soul-searching that made me think, are you kidding me? You were always at the front end of everything. Uh, particularly for somebody operating at the level that he does in the media spotlight. You always feel that when you're with him, he genuinely doesn't want to be anywhere else. I know he's busy, but I've never, ever had a sense with him that time is short. He's a very kind, warm-hearted person who's always concerned about how other people are feeling. He's actually very good at friendship, and that kind of very slightly makes me feel guilty because I don't think I am. What is it about them that drives you mad? Nothing about Jeremy drives me mad, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to say. The thing about Dej that it doesn't drive me mad. But, you know, since I'm here talking about life, the universe and everything... It always very, very slightly frustrates me is I can never quite find out what he does. I would say that if we spent more time together, given his sort of position in the media and so forth, his need to be on at all times... I'm always probing. So what's going on next month? What are you up to then? and particularly on his personals, what's happening with her? What's going on? would probably cause me some difficulties because I, I like to switch off occasionally and I like to just be a little bit mellow. I get really enigmatic answers. I think that's probably why I so enjoy Deja's company, actually. That might not be sort of compatible with my own spirit. What do you think it is about you that drives them mad? Some of my friends from my youth uh, may be a little frustrated waiting for me to fulfil what they might describe as my potential. I think I'm I'm a bit clueless in business, and I've, I've noticed this because friends of mine who are good with money or good at money are just 
on it. I may be overthinking that. Uh, it may just be my hang-up. I remember once I was booking a venue for my 50th birthday and Dej came to look at it with me and it was on the South Bank and I said, oh, this is great. And I agreed and I signed something and then another venue came along that was better and I just rang up the South Bank and said, oh, can I cancel that room? And they did a whole number on me of, excuse me, you have to pay the full price because you've signed something. I said, I didn't know. I'd, what do you mean I signed something? Yes, of course, I signed a bit of paper. I didn't know that meant anything. And I thought Dej would never have fallen for that. He would have had a cooling off period. But I can imagine that a few of my friends, such as Jeremy, who knew me several decades ago, might find that a little bit frustrating and think that I'm taking my time a little bit to fulfil some of my promise. Talk about a time they really came through for you. Nothing's coming to me in terms of critical moments in our respective lives but I can say that I was very touched to have a one-to-one -one dinner with Jeremy before he married Rachel. You know the funny thing about real friends is that they kind of ignore the biggest problems because their job in a way I think is to pretend they don't exist. It's only sort of part way through our very pleasant evening that I realized that, you know, he, he seriously wanted to talk about this great move that was about to happen in his life. So if you work at the BBC, you're constantly going to be in the papers for being paid too much or paid too little or being the wrong height or wearing the wrong clothes or falling over on your way into the building or whatever it is. And sometimes people will say, oh my goodness, you've been in a lot of trouble lately. I'm not sure that I was part of the decision-making, but I was—I feel like I was sort of part of the conversation and that is a warming thought. That is not the real friend thing. Dej will never do that. He has a most elegant way of taking in things that have been awkward and then pretending they've never happened. And uh, I do appreciate it, actually. As a continuation of that, when I was invited to be godfather to Jeremy's younger daughter, Anna, that was another sort of sealing of that special sense of warmth. Have you ever had a fight? Not once have I ever seen Dej angry. I'm not sure that we've ever had a fight. This is dangerous territory, of course. Oh, no, hang on. There was a time. Um, but uh, none that I can recall. Somebody might say that we're too respectful of each other's sensibilities. I was 15 and it was a German lesson at school. And for some reason, I was going through this phase where I just couldn't stop giggling at everything constantly. I've never felt the need for a confrontation, as I think is being suggested by the question. And he flashed me a glance just to say, stop that now. And it was like my dad's in the room suddenly. And I always remember that glance. I thought, oof. Are they a good loser? 
I couldn't say whether Jeremy is a good loser or not. We don't tend to play games together, although we do have an as yet uh, unscheduled table tennis encounter. I'm not sure I would ever like to compete with Dej on a sporting field. He would wipe the floor with me. He still looks as athletic now as he did when he was 17, 18. Interestingly, he's always talking about doing Taekwondo. So I think his, his main fitness must be a martial art of some kind. I figure that he must be professionally highly competitive in his field. He works extremely hard. He prepares fastidiously and is committed to the pursuit of excellence. When we were at school, I remember we used to have to wear these really small shorts. I looked like a giraffe. He did look great in his, and, and he had this quite loping gait where his, his legs sort of reached out when he was walking. So I suspect that all points towards competitiveness, but I would imagine that Jeremy is a good loser based on everything else I know about him. What do you envy about them? I envy Jeremy's career and family life and the balance that he manages to maintain between the two. I'll tell you straight away what I envy about Dej. He can wear anything and look great. And he always dresses amazingly. He gives it thought. Um, he seems to be full on in all departments. He's got things that match. And has managed to successfully maintain that, as far as I can tell, for a number of years. For a long time, I thought, ah, if I had a suit like Dej, I would look like Dej. And then I realised that he doesn't look like Dej because of his suits. He looks like Dej because of Dej. And that's all sort of driven and energised by his zest for life. He is still the athlete. He's never had a pound of fat on him. So that's what I envy. We use the term envy, but I begrudge him nothing. It couldn't happen to a better man, so I'm delighted for him. The fact that he can wear a suit with a 28-inch waist or whatever it is. When are they at their happiest? I would imagine that it's when he's on air. I'd love to tell you when Dej was at his happiest, but I don't think I've ever seen him down. I take it for granted that he has a wonderful family life, but... Being the person that he is, he probably spends quite a lot of time with concerns about people around him. He's one of those people, and I'm definitely attracted to them because I'm not like this. I'm, I'm somewhat of a roller coaster character. I think I, that's why I have surges of energy is that when it dips, I need to properly start underpinning. So I sort of imagine that when he's on air... He's able to be entirely focused on what he's doing and what he's trying to achieve. I see Dej as having a pretty constant mood and pretty constantly contented. If they were a food, what food would they be? When we were at school, we had an English teacher called Neil Lang, and Neil totally got Dej. He really liked him. He was as impressed with Dej as I am today, but then Dej was only 15. If I had to, let's for the time being say a spicy tuna melt in a baguette. He used to very gently tease Dej about the fact that Dej liked to cook, which in the 70s, we talk about Joy Division period and Sex Pistols, saying you like to cook was not a common thing in a boys' school. 
And Neil Lang would say, Dej, you like to cook, don't you? Cordon bleu. Well done. Possibly a seeded wholemeal baguette, only because it's sort of comforting. So always, even from back then, I've got this, this image in my mind of Dej being very particular about what food he likes and, and what he cooks. It's tasty. It's got a little bit of edge to it. Um, that you might not have expected. If he were a food, he would be just, I think, something very minimal, like a piece of tuna steak with a little bit of salad on the side and some melting butter. It would be something delicate, I think. And, uh, and I feel good about spicy tuna melts in baguettes. Is there anything you've always wanted to apologise to them for or to explain, but have never got round to it? He invited me onto his Channel 5 show as an audience guest. But I was there to make a contribution on a sort of racially sensitive issue related to uh, Harry and Meghan's then newly born baby. I've never really said this, but I always, I always feel embarrassed by what a prat I was at school. I just had this galumphing idiocy about me and, and I was always doing practical jokes like dressing up as a pantomime cow on the last day of term and stuff. As it happened the network decided to abandon the story but I did go to the studio and I sat in the audience just to kind of experience a recording of the show and since I was no longer required I pretty much switched off. And I sort of want to say, look, I'm not really the person I was back then, but I think he knows that. Unfortunately, when Jeremy tried to bring me into a totally separate new discussion, I was unusually unresponsive and inhibited because, I, as I say, I'd switched off. Of course he became the head boy. I remember the last day at school, he did the head boy speech. And it was a, it's a big event. You have all the pupils and then you have loudspeakers and all the parents. So there's a lot of attention on that moment it still sort of haunts me that i let him down on that occasion because he knows me to be a different person i think and dej made this incredibly beautiful elegant speech where he said i hope that i have put some color in this school's pale face and i just remember thinking that is world class and i could never do that If they suddenly disappeared from this world, what is the one thing that you would lose that you cannot get anywhere else? What I'd miss is the unique continuity of knowing somebody for four decades plus and sharing memories that go all the way back to our school days. As you get older, you really value friendships because you realise you don't make new friends very often and the ones you've got are long-standing he represents a sort of record as well as a mirror of my more youthful glory days i think i'd miss the backstory if well i'd miss Dej if he was suddenly abducted or moved to australia i would be a bit bereft i'm not sure i've got another friend that i can talk to like i can talk today it just so happens that this very week i have attended dare I say, yet another funeral of one of my mother's dear friends from her student days. I keep having to attend these uh, funerals and delivering tributes 
on her behalf. And I don't share enough. So I don't, I'm not very good on saying the emotional truth. And they in turn obviously shine a light on my own friendships. And now this particular week, I've been able to reflect on my relationship with Jeremy over the last 40 years. Saying that this was the worst year of my life or something, or saying how I felt when my dad died. But I think I could tell Dej. Before anyone else heard the answers to the questions, the friends got a chance to listen to each other and to react. I was always game to do this. As soon as Jeremy mentioned it to me, I was immediately sold. But it, it kind of took a while to actually take the plunge and start recording. Listening to Deja's answers, I just thought this is great to have a friend with such pedigree. It's really precious to have a friend who goes back that far. I, I hate the thought of Jeremy feeling embarrassed about our school days. He was a unique individual. He was funny, exceedingly bright, scholarship boy. And he needed and wanted to dance to the beat of his own drum. These Q&A sessions for this, this podcast have have really revealed some interesting things. I mean, for example, that Channel 5 moment where, where Dej came in and then he feels he didn't say anything. I do remember him saying something really cogent. So I don't know why he would mind about that. I really must fill in some of those information gaps that he referred to so that I can cease to be an, an international matter of mystery to him. I actually can be with uh, a number of even my close friends. It's strange because I crave being understood. I like the thought of being fully understood. I will endeavour to bring Jeremy up to date with some of the sides of my life that he finds a little bit mysterious. It was kind of interesting when Dej said that he might get tired when I behaved as if I was always on, like always performing. And I think certainly my wife says the same, that can we just have a moment where there isn't an audience? That's lovely to hear that from Dej. I always sort of feel that when you, when you see people, you've got to be up and at them. But actually, how lovely that I've got a friend who doesn't want that or need that. Jeremy has often referred to the speech that I made in our final year at school. I love the way that Jeremy still quotes me back to myself 40 years on. When we were asked if we were jealous of each other in any way or what we'd like, Dej very kindly mentioned my work and my career. But then I praised Dej's suit, which now I think just sounds a bit lame. I'd like to sort of rephrase and say that what I envy is that Dej never seems to have ego. And I think what you've drawn out in this podcast that is so interesting is that you've got somebody with, I think, no ego, Dej, and somebody with clearly, although I will never admit it, a colossal one. I can understand that Jeremy might have a slightly idealised memory of me in our late teens, but although he always makes me feel very special and introduces me with great flair and fanfare, I would never have imagined the way he actually sees me today. 
actually the podcast was a great way of saying how much Dej means to me because I would never ever be able to say that to him directly so it's it's just one of those oh accident here uh, I've accidentally managed to say to my friend how much of a friend he is and how important I didn't expect to be so entertained by Jeremy's discourse and reflections I wasn't ready to be drawn in so much by everything that he said overall it was a great experience very comfortable free kind of therapy I guess this is um, I won't say therapy but it's it it makes you lift the lid on things that you just take for granted and look at them properly so thank you thank you Dej especially thank you Dej for 40 years of being a friend who's much more grown up than me Thank you for listening to this edition of The Friendship File. Search for us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you use, and please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Visit thefriendshipfile.com to find out more and to see pictures of the friends. And if you'd like to get in touch, especially if you and a friend would like to take part in a future episode, then email hello at thefriendshipfile.com. The music is by James Lancaster, who is one half of Walkring, and you can find them on Spotify or Apple Music. The Friendship File is a podcast production. Till next time, goodbye.